I really love this idea of bringing these other cultures together. And so we try to continue to do that, you know, with other products we use or other companies that I collaborate with. You know, we try to continue to pull these different cultures in and just kind of provide that uh, just a unique experience. I just think it's kind of fun to, you know, expose people to things that they may not otherwise get to try. Welcome to the Juxtapose Journeys podcast, and happy National Pickle Day if you're tuning in from the U.S. I'm your host, Eric Spitz, and in this episode I chat with Ashley Dozier. Ashley is the owner of the Tampa Bay, Florida-based fine fragrance company, Anakit Luxury Apothecary, which offers natural alternatives to traditional colognes and perfumes. After leaving an abusive relationship, Ashley set out on a four-month solo backpacking trip around the world to rediscover herself. One of those stops in that journey was Egypt, where Ashley visited a perfumery while taking a cruise down the Nile River. There she learned about the history of fragrances in Egypt and took a strong liking to the unique qualities of pure papyrus oil. After coming back to the States and realizing there was virtually no access to high-quality pure papyrus oil, she worked to source the papyrus oil from the perfumery she visited in Egypt in order to share this unique fragrance with others. Our conversation ranges from some of the countries Ashley visited in her four-month journey to lessons she's learned since starting the business back in 2019, and we even talked briefly about deadly animals and emergency preparedness. I also tried something new and asked Ashley a series of travel-related questions that I'll be asking all guests in future interviews, and her answer certainly didn't disappoint. With all that in mind, just sit back, relax, and maybe grab a pickle and get ready for Ashley Doge's journey with solo traveling, fine fragrances, and Anakit Luxury Apothecary. All right, Ashley, welcome to the Juxtapose Journeys podcast. And first of all, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to sit down and chat with me. Of course, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, no, I'm so excited for this. So we are here to talk all about your fine fragrance company, Anakit Luxury Apothecary, along with many other things, I'm sure. Can you briefly describe what inspired you to start that business to begin with? Yeah, um, it's definitely not something that I ever <laughs> had, had kind of decided, hey, I'm going to start a fragrance company. Um, <laughs> it was not something in my realm because I actually couldn't even wear fragrances, you know, when I was younger because of headaches and allergies and all kinds of things. But um, I just happened to find a product, uh, an essential oil that I loved while I was traveling. And when I got back to the States, I realized that it wasn't available much in the States and you really couldn't find it anywhere. And so I got back in touch with that little perfumery in, um, in Egypt, which you'll learn a lot about, uh, mm -hmm. talking to me, but, um, I got back in touch with them and, and said, you know, I, I want to kind of start to just import this and just offer, you know, make sure my friends have access to it and people I meet because it's, you know, I'm getting a lot of compliments on it and they were like, okay, we can, we can figure something out. And so uh, it started just that way and it continued to grow because I just realized I had such a passion for it. Um, and now I own kind of a full-fledged fragrance company. Oh, that's so cool. And yeah, uh, just reading your bio and doing some research on you and listening to other podcast episodes. Yeah, it, I thought it was really interesting because you did quite a bit of traveling for a minute. I mean, you went backpacking and did a solo trip for four months. So 
uh, which included Egypt, like you just alluded to. So during that time, did you ever experience any culture shock or just anything that really stood out to you as being very different than what you're used to for, I guess, America or what, where you grew up? I would say a lot of it was culture shock, but like in a great way. I was lucky enough to grow up in Florida and in Miami where I was surrounded by, you know, a lot of different culture. We traveled, you know, a little bit when I was young, um, not a lot overseas, but, you know, my mom was always kind of just exposing us to, you know, different people and different cultures. And so it wasn't shocking in the way of things that I had never seen or experienced before. It was more, you know, the idea of being immersed in it in a different way and being able to actually like appreciate it, you know, what I had learned about growing up. So that's what was really nice is, you know, going to all these different countries and and seeing, okay, in Australia, for example, their culture is, I, I believe it's such a mix of the best parts of America and Europe. They have a lot of like the modernism, you know, of America and, and more cars, you know, more spread out kind of like the States are set up, but they have the relaxed atmosphere, the relaxed mentality of Europeans um, in the way that they kind of run their, you know, day-to-day lives. And so just things like that, being able to really like be a part of somebody else's life for a day while, you know, or two while I was traveling and meeting new people and everything, that's, I think, was the coolest way to like immerse myself in their culture. Yeah, definitely. And no, I actually went to Australia when I was in high school and yeah, I kind of had the same experience there. And yeah, it was a, it was a really great experience. And, um, and yeah, just kind of growing up, I did a decent amount of traveling as well. So nothing particularly shocked me like in the U.S. until I like started going abroad more and then seeing some differences there. It's just so subtle differences for sure that uh, <laughs> kind of stand out. But no, I was uh, listening to your your interview earlier today on the Monday Morning Coffee Club podcast and just going back to that solo trip you went on. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you went to around 12 countries. So Australia, Egypt, I guess what else was sprinkled in there? Um, let's see if I can remember them all because I'm getting worse at doing this. Um, but I also had, uh, I count the U S because I, you know, traveled to Mm -hmm. other parts of the U S before I left. So, um, I, I did explore the U S as well. Um, but then Singapore, Egypt, Greece, Italy, Germany, uh, the Netherlands, France, Switzerland. I know I'm forgetting something and (laughs) But there were 12, I swear. Um, oh, uh, New Zealand, that was another one. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was hopping around. I was I was moving fairly quickly. So I got to experience a lot more because of that. But I would spend like a week or two, you know, in some countries that I wanted to spend more time in. And then um, just two or three days in some countries that were, you know, I could experience as much as I like needed to in that city or whatever. And, and then keep moving. Mm-hmm. Definitely. No. Oh, my gosh. You just pretty much hit like my bucket list of all the places I want to check out eventually just all in one one trip one foul sweep so uh I'm so jealous of that trip but no that sounds like an absolutely amazing trip for sure and um I geez I could talk all day about traveling and things but uh I'm gonna change gears here and get back to your fragrance company so Admittedly, I'm not an expert on fine fragrances, uh, but I see that your company offers, I mean, fragrance oils, perfumes, colognes. Um, I even saw some beard oil on there and and beard combs. Mm -hmm. So you got a wide variety of uh, products. So I guess, can you briefly describe the difference between like fragrance oils and perfumes or colognes? 
Yeah. So um, to be honest, I was not an expert in fragrance <laughs> either when I started this, <laughs> but I have learned so much um, in the three years that I've owned the business. And the one thing that I was kind of aware of was just how different perfumes are made in the sense of how much they're diluted. So really when mm -hmm. you talk about, you know, colognes versus perfumes versus, you know, those like body mists, um, eau de toilette, like those types of products. Um, it's really just all about the amount of the concentration of fragrance oil that's in there. Um, most of them use synthetic fragrance oils, which there's nothing wrong with synthetic fragrance oils. As long as they are perfume grade, they're not dangerous or anything. Um, but usually it's all the add-ins, like the alcohol and other products that they put in there to make it then sprayable or to dilute it, um, to dilute that fragrance oil. And so mm. those are what, for example, with me are what used to give me headaches and migraines and, you know, tend to like um, give people skin allergies, um, those kinds of things. So I realized that if you use a um, pure essential oil, um, which is what all of our fragrance products are, uh, they're pure essential oils that we actually import from Egypt, like I said, you can use a tiny, tiny bit and it's concentrated, it's 100% oil. So that fragrance is coming from pure oil instead of a, you know, sprayable, you know, mix of alcohols and oils and everything. And so mm -hmm. um, I like it a lot more because for me, I, I can I can handle it, um, you know, I, with uh, migraines and allergies and everything. And it just tends to smell, you know, a little bit goes a long way. It travels better, which is one of those since we're talking about travel, you know, it's <laughs> it's a smaller bottle. You don't need a big bottle of perfume. But that's the main difference is, you know, Eau de Parfum, Eau de uh, Cologne, really it's all about the, the amount of, you know, the concentration of fragrance oil that's in it. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, that makes sense. And yeah, that was kind of what I was gathering myself, but that oils are a little bit more concentrated than your perfumes and colognes. And actually that's, now that you mentioned about the having, you know, like some people react to it differently or skin allergies and stuff, I've noticed that myself with different mm -hmm. things and I've never really been able to pinpoint exactly what in it that causes my skin irritation when I use certain products and stuff. But that has something I noticed. I didn't think that much about at the time, but now I get thinking about it. I'm like, oh yeah, whenever I use that cologne, like my neck burns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because people always say that, you know, in different products, whenever they just list fragrance as a product, that's, they always say that like, that's what's bad is, you know, that, that you should get fragrance free products and fragrance and mm. products is bad. And that's not always necessarily the case. It depends on where that fragrance is coming from. Uh, sometimes, I mean, yes, if they're just listing fragrance and you don't know where that scent is coming from, they really can put anything in there that you want. But I'm not one of those people that, you know, pushes only using all natural products because I, I joke with people that if all natural were the healthiest way to go, then rubbing poison ivy on your skin wouldn't be an issue. <laughs> But, you know, so it's not always about just being all natural versus synthetic. It's about just knowing what's in your product so that you know what you are allergic to or are not allergic to or what your skin reacts to. And so that's what's nice. That's why I like our products is just because all of our fragrance oils are just are 100% pure essential oil. And so you know what's in there. If it doesn't react well with your skin for any reason, you can try one of our other oils because it's completely different, you know, a completely different product. So it just makes it a lot easier to know what you're putting on your body or what you're smelling, those, you know, those kind of things. Um, nothing wrong with, you know, the traditional perfumes and colognes. I just, myself, they would cause migraines and so I couldn't use them. And so this is just an awesome alternative for people that, you know, also have that issue or just want their, their scent to last longer because obviously a pure concentrated oil is going to last a lot longer on the skin than something that's been mixed with alcohol, which just makes it kind of disperse quicker. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. No, and I think that's really important, too, to just kind of have that balance between, you know, natural and synthetic, like what you were saying, too, and just being kind of transparent about what all is going in the product so you can really isolate it and figure out what it is that's, uh, you know, if you have some sort of irritation or some sort of response to it. Honestly, that's a that's some homework I need to give myself and figure out exactly what it is in the product I'm using that's give you know making my skin irritated. So that is a that is something I'm going to have to figure out and uh, really isolate. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's totally a, you have to. It's an experiment, you know. I mean, it, it mm-hmm. took me you know a long time to discover what it which fragrances I could use or couldn't use. You know what products I can use. I have super sensitive skin, so I have to be really careful about what I use which stinks, you know, like I don't want to have to deal with, deal with that either. But um, (laughs) this was just something that, you know, when I was in Egypt and found the scent and I, you know, smelled it and I put some on my body and I I realized I was like, I I can do this, you know, like it's not Mm going to be a headache. My skin feels totally fine. Um, It was just really cool. And so I, you know, once I started the company, I realized as long as I can, you know, be completely transparent about what's in our products, because like you said, we have a beard oil now and I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, all of the ingredients are listed on our ingredients list. We don't hide behind just, you know, be able to claim something as like fragrance or whatever. We, you know, we list all of the ingredients and I do that just because I want people to be able to use our products and, or read the ingredients list and know, oh, you know, I'm allergic to this type of of oil, um, like jojoba oil or something, you know, that, okay, I, I know I can't use that product. I don't want to, there to be any surprises for people. <laughs> no, that's good. I think that's really important to be transparent about it and say exactly what's going in it so that people can kind of plan and act accordingly. And, and yeah, I was really eyeing that, uh, the beard oil. So I'm going to have to do some shopping on your, <laughs> on your website. And yeah, pick some up absolutely. For <laughs> it's, I tell you that was, that's one of our, uh, our men just love that and keep coming back for it. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, I'm always looking for a good beard oil and I've been rocking the lumberjack beard for years now and I don't see it <laughs> going anywhere. So yeah, I think it's here to stay. And, uh, yeah, I was really intrigued with your whole website and setup. So yeah, I'll definitely have to pick some up for myself. But, uh, awesome. speaking of the, uh, scents and everything in particular, yeah, I noticed some really unique ones. Like, I mean, you have blue Lotus, Egyptian musk, but the one that really stood out to me is pure papyrus oil, which is kind of what I've gathered kickstarted this whole venture for you. That's kind of what got you to like fall in love with these different scents and everything and kickstart this business when you're in Egypt. So uh, how would you describe pure papyrus oil for someone who has never experienced it? Is it a very distinct smell or experience that just that you can kind of categorize in a way or is it difficult to explain? I always get asked this and it's it's so hard because, you know, when I was sitting in that perfumery in Egypt, I, you know, they're bringing out familiar scents they're bringing out eucalyptus and lavender Mm -hmm. you know all these scents that are familiar and and i was like okay these are these are they're beautiful but you know i want something unique i want something that i you know can't get at home and i didn't realize when i said that that i truly meant i wasn't going to be able to get it back at home but um (laughs) uh, i kind of set myself up for failure there you know but um but they they brought out the ones that you list you named that i you know have started to provide with our company because you can't get them and they were blue lotus and Saqqara and papyrus, but I will say the the moment I smelled the papyrus for the first time, it was like this weird gut feeling of like, this is amazing. I mean, just absolutely intriguing and it smells familiar, yet I knew I had never smelled it before. Like it wasn't mm. something that I've ever smelled. And so it just, and, and, and people tend to have that same reaction when they smell it for the first time. Everybody just kind of is surprised at what it is because um, it's very 
it has a lot of depth for just a single essential oil. Everybody always asks me what else is it's mixed with, and I have to swear to them that there's nothing else in there but that one product because for whatever reason, it just has a lot of depth. So that's what makes it really hard to explain. It's like the same idea of how do you explain the taste of a banana to somebody who's never had a banana before? You know, it's like, that's the example that I use because I'm like, if you've never had one, I don't know how to tell you what it smells like. So, uh, so that's, it's very clean, but also has kind of a warmth to it, uh, has a little bit of a musky scent, but also smells very kind of bright at the same time. Like this is why it's such an intriguing scent is because there's, there's so many layers you know, especially for a single ingredient oil. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, that's that's really interesting. And, and it was something I was genuinely curious about because I was like, I I don't know, you know, what papyrus actually smells like. I've never experienced it. But yeah, most people haven't. <laughs> no, that sounds really interesting to hear that description of just uh, the depth that it has, really. <laughs> yeah, that's what most people, when they smell it for the first time, they're like, this is papyrus, like the same stuff that they wrote on. And I'm like, yeah, that's it's the same thing. <laughs> you know, plant that they made paper with and everything, but who knew that it smelled that good? You know, like that's the the part that's just kind of shocks everybody is that you smell it and you're like, you just wouldn't expect it to smell that good. And I'm so glad you brought that up about them writing on it too, Mm -hmm. because I remember learning that, geez, this is going back to like seventh grade (laughs) history class, but I remember them talking about the, you know, the Egyptians writing on papyrus and we did a little experiment in class to where we made our own papyrus and and basically it was just like rubbing tea bags on like paper to kind of give it that weathered look (laughs) of just like old paper. It was cool. It was a fun experiment, but it was like one I just kind of always remember. But so thank you for unlocking that part of my brain. (laughs) Yeah, no, I had so much fun with it because my stepdaughter is in middle school right now and she, they were learning about Egypt and I told her, I was like, well, do you want to take some stuff in? And of course that she doesn't think that's cool. Cause nothing I do is cool, you know, <laughs> but, um, but I actually, uh, you know, volunteer and sub and stuff at her school sometimes. And so I was, you know, was at the school one time and I just brought some of the stuff with me and I brought the, you know, the papyrus, some of the paper that I brought back with me from Egypt. I brought some of my oil, just things that I could like show them from Egypt, you know, that, uh, since they were learning about it. And so they got to see, you know, real papyrus, sheet of real papyrus from Egypt. And so it was really cool because I, it, just like you said, it's, that's the kind of stuff you learned about in middle school. And it was really special to be able to kind of bring it to life for some of those kids. Yeah, no, that is so cool. And honestly, yeah, I've always been really fascinated with the Egyptian culture as a whole. Uh, there's just so much like mystery and there's so mm-hmm. much that we still don't know about it. And it's very intriguing to me. That's a whole nother yeah. rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll, I'll spare everybody from. But anyway, uh, now, do you ever get any requests for different scents from your customers or anything? Um, we do. I, I sometimes get asked just if we have oud, which is something I'm considering because I do love it, I get asked about like sandalwood and things. And, and, mm. um, but if they're very, very common sense, they're not something I'm actually going to bring in. Um, like sandalwood, mm. sandalwood, you can kind of get anywhere. You know, there's high grade, really good sandalwood coming from a lot of different places. I really wanted to focus on the idea of, you know, the Egyptians are the ones that like, I won't dive into the culture and, and the history, I promise, but um, because I can too for hours. But, uh, but you know, they're the ones that invented fragrance and, and mm-hmm. they've been using, you know, these oils. Cleopatra used these oils. You know, they're, it's something that their culture has used for thousands of years. And so I really wanted to highlight that and really give that nod back to that part of the culture that, you know, just these fragrance oils can stand alone and be, you know, a beautiful scent. 
So I, I really try to focus on, you know, those either kind of hard to get, even though like Egyptian musk is a very traditional scent and you can get it some other places, but you know, ours is very high quality straight from Egypt. And so I really focus on that versus, you know, that eucalyptus and lavender and sandalwood and stuff that people can kind of get from anywhere. For sure. And no, that makes a lot of sense. I think you've definitely found your niche with, um, so those more harder to find items that you don't come across every day. I think that's really admirable and interesting that you do that because yeah, to your point, I mean, lavender, sandalwood, all of those different scents you can virtually find anywhere and they're great scents. Don't get me wrong. And I, I, I'll smell those all day. I love them, but, (laughs) but you know, like it's nice to come across something that's just unique and different. You don't Mm -hmm. see every day. Yeah. And that's really (laughs) what I wanted was something that like, I love because I was traveling and, you know, learning about new cultures and, and everything. I really love this idea of bringing these other cultures together. And so we try to continue to do that, you know, with other products that we, we use or um, other companies that I collaborate with, you know, we try to continue to pull these different cultures in and just kind of provide that uh, just a unique experience. I just think it's, it's kind of fun to, you know, expose people to things that they may not otherwise get to try. Oh, definitely. Yeah. No, I, I think all of those aspects are really important. Now, did you actually have any business experience before starting Anikit Luxury Apothecary? I mean, I saw on your LinkedIn that you have a background as a skincare consultant. So did any of that work translate to what you currently do? Well, um, my background is actually in public health. And so, well, my schooling Mm -hmm. and everything. And so I worked um, in higher education, health education, public health for about 10 years before I got out of that field. And the only re- reason I really did, I was working at the, the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And mm-hmm. um, I loved my job, but unfortunately my program was cut. And, mm. uh, you know, budget cuts will get you every time. And so I just kind of realized that, you know, I, I enjoy working for myself. I enjoy the idea of building something. And so I did start with... Uh, kind of the, the franchise idea of like a multi-level marketing company, but I call it more of the, the franchise idea because they provide all the setup for you. You don't have to purchase the product ahead of time and then try and sell it. And so it's more of a kind of a drop shipping. You're an ambassador for them and, you know, it's it was all e-commerce. And so learning about, you know, I was able to learn a lot about e-commerce because of that. And then at the time I started a second business um, because I was uh, engaged at the time and I had gotten him into um, just some through my network um, into pharmaceutical sales and his Mm -hmm. business was starting to grow and he had a few accounts and things that he couldn't handle all on his own. And so I started another company and took on those larger accounts to be able to help with that. So I was balancing those two businesses at the same time and realized that, you know, the, the skincare side of the business, you know, my skincare business, that one, I really loved helping people. I love the beauty and fashion industry. I just think they're very intriguing when they're done right, you know, when they're not done to make people feel bad about themselves, but rather to do the opposite and provide some joy and like, you know, happiness in their life rather than make them feel bad for the way they look or, you know, so I I really liked that and I loved e-commerce. And so, you know, once uh, I ended up getting out of that um, relationship, unfortunately it turned abusive. And so I got out of that relationship and I just kind of handed him the business because I just wanted a way, but it made me realize that, you know, having my own business and, and being able to, you know, start my own business and, and run my own business. It was just was something that I was like, wow, that's, I can actually do that. You know, it gave me the confidence to say, okay, this is something that I can do on my own. 
And after my travels, it took me a little while to figure out exactly what I wanted to do again. But once I discovered that the papyrus oil wasn't available here in the, the States, it, it kind of that light bulb moment, you know, that aha moment of, <laughs> wait a second, like I can combine, you know, the, the beauty industry, which I love, e-commerce, which I love, being my own boss, which I really love, you know, and I can, <laughs> with this new product that I have fallen in love with. And so it was just a really cool moment to kind of realize a way for it all to come together. Yeah, for sure. And no, it's so interesting how all of those different separate life experiences can all culminate into just something you never really envisioned yourself doing originally, but mm -hmm. it all makes sense when you break it down. You break down the little aspects that you really enjoy about all these different avenues you did before, and mm -hmm. then it just kind of becomes this entirely new entity and, and just a pathway you never saw yourself on. I mean, that's the reason why I'm, I'm podcasting today. I never envisioned that for myself years mm -hmm. ago, but it's, you know, just taking those smaller elements, you know, I would freelance right years ago and I really like talking to people and interviewing people and researching questions and kind of forming a narrative around a story around an interaction and then that kind of turned into this and anyway i don't want to <laughs> spend a bunch of time on yourself or anything but mainly i just want to say yeah I, I completely see where you're coming from with that but i guess speaking of anakit uh, luxury apothecary and specifically has there been anything that's been a really big surprise to you since starting the business just in regards to getting everything kind of rolling with it you know people always say that they want to start their own business so they can be their own boss and, and have more control over, you know, their, their life and their work when they work and whatever. And now I just kind of laugh at that thought of, you know, like it's <laughs> when you're your own boss, you actually have no control at all. Like it is, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, it's <laughs> everything relies on you. And so it's, you know, you, you, the, your, your business relies on you a hundred percent. And so, um, I kind of, you know, that probably was the most surprising thing. I kind of laugh at that now of, you know, I'm, I am my own boss and I really appreciate that, but you know, that means that I kind of work all the time and I can take time off, you know, whenever I want, but it doesn't mean that I'm actually a hundred percent off. It's, we're mm -hmm. talking about that right now. My, my fiance is actually an entrepreneur as well. And our wedding is coming up, um, in the spring and we're both trying to figure out, okay, how exactly are we going to take a, a couple of weeks off for a honeymoon? Because, you know, we're both, both small <laughs> business owners, both entrepreneurs, you know, we, we both run our businesses, like, can they, you know, run without us being there? <laughs> and so mm -hmm. um, it's one of those things that, yeah, when you start a business, I mean, Anakit, Anakit's my baby. I, I absolutely love what I do, but, but it is like a child that needs your attention full time. <laughs> Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and I mean, yeah, from my own personal perspective on a much smaller scale, I mean, even with this podcast or any other ventures that I have going on, I also co-host on Films for the Void, a movie podcast. And yeah, with all of that, I mean, it's just I feel like one of the big things that's enticing about being an entrepreneur is just this perceived freedom that you have being your own boss. But then at the same time. <laughs> It's, you know, I get talking to people later and it's like, I mean, I work hard. I work twice as hard as I would just working a regular job. I mean, doing this, I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> define freedom type thing. I mean, you're always just kind of tied to it and always have something going yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. Notice the moment you said the word freedom, I just kind of giggled because it's, <laughs> it's not, exactly. you know, yeah. there's, it's there a is trap. no freedom. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's still, but you're doing something you love. And so that's what, you know, I exactly. would rather... Be busy doing something I love than, you know, even give nine to five every day for to something that I'm not enjoying. Oh, exactly. Oh, my gosh. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> 
All right. Now, Ashley, now that I have a sense of your recent life journey, I want to ask a series of questions to get a sense of your travel tastes. So you're the first guest yeah. I'm trying this on, so I hope it all goes well. We got <laughs> But this. my aim is to ask these to every guest moving forward. And since life is full of both physical and metaphorical journeys, I want my listeners to get a taste of some physical destinations you've experienced or want to experience that are worth exploring. So are you ready to give it a shot? Let's go. All right. City, state, or country with the best food, and what is your go-to food of choice? Ooh. So um, if, if I have to just go with, like, my first shot, believe it or not, what I say is Egypt um, because mm-hmm. I am a semi-vegetarian. I don't eat a lot of meat, and it was easy to not eat a lot of meat there. They have a lot of vegetarian dishes, and they make a traditional dish called koshari, which is just one of my favorite dishes now. Um, and I just recently served it at our Anakit uh, three-year anniversary party because, I, again, I like people to experience culture like I do. <laughs> so I would have to say, you know, Egypt, the falafel, um, mm-hmm. the koshari, the, the uh, oh gosh, uh, malachaya was a, like a kind of a soup that I had while I was there. There just was so many foods that I had never tried before that were so good. And I think that stood out to me. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, I'm actually vegetarian myself. So that's uh, really speaking to me as well. I've actually never heard of kosheri. So I'm gonna have to look that up now and uh, <laughs> dig more into look that. It up. You definitely sold me <laughs> on it. <laughs> yes. All right. It's uh, awesome. Most underrated city, state or country? Oh, that's good. I, <laughs> you know, I will say I never really heard a lot about Singapore before I was traveling, you know, before I traveled. Um, mm-hmm. People will talk about a lot of different places in um, Southeast Asia and, you know, that area. And, um, I still have a lot more that I want to go back to, but Singapore, it is a city, state and country all in one. And it is, um, (laughs) it's, it's incredible. I mean, it's, it's a very big bustling city, but they do a phenomenal job of keeping that city so clean and very green. I mean, they have so many greenhouses and gardens and they have laws that, you know, as the, as buildings are being built every few floors has to have actual like green space around the you know on the balconies and and such and so mm-hmm. they just do a really good job of keeping it clean and green you know and i think for a large city it doesn't get enough credit for what all they do there nice yeah honestly i haven't heard like a ton of people talk about Singapore all the mm-hmm. time compared to other destinations. So, but yeah, every time I hear anything about it, it's always, you know, positive. So no, I, I definitely see where you're coming from with that. That's awesome. Yeah. Top city, state, or country on your bucket list that you would love to experience someday. Um, I haven't ever made it down to Brazil. Okay. And so that is one of those places that, I mean, I'm dying to go and I have a couple of different cities there, you know, that I want to visit. For example, a, a friend of mine I, I was friends with a lot of um like this little group of brazilian friends in in high school mm-hmm. and they would always talk about brazil you know most of them were actually from there themselves not just their parents but uh just hearing about it and and i one of my roommates in college was from brazil i just love the culture would love to visit myself one day i want to you know see the rainforest i want to go to Fortaleza and see the the sand dunes I want to go down to Rio Mm -hmm. and you know see the beaches and so there's just a lot there that I want to I want to take in because it seems like a really really cool place and it's it's huge and so I want to have time to do it which is why I've never made it down there yet (laughs) nice yeah I've also heard a lot of just positive praise for Brazil as well and yeah that's a 
another area that's really high on my list as well. So that's awesome. Yeah. Rounding things out with the the heavy handed finisher here, your personal favorite city, state, or country. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> that's so hard, but I might, because I usually say like I have a top three, but if I have to pick from those three, uh, I typically mm-hmm. say Australia. Nice. And a couple different cities there captured my heart. So it's really hard to say what city in, in particular. I did look into the possibility of moving to Bondi Beach at one point, which is uh, near <laughs> Sydney. Um, I'm a city girl, nice. so I do like, you know, kind of the bigger bigger cities, metropolis areas. But uh, Bondi Beach kind of caught my heart um, and Australia did in general because, like I said, it's kind of the best of both worlds between America and Europe. The people were just so fantastic beautiful beautiful country you have a little bit of everything there um like you do in the states and so um it's definitely somewhere i could could see myself living you know if i weren't going to be in in the u.s for sure yeah no and um i loved australia too i was actually around the sydney area myself when i went in high mm-hmm. school and yeah i had a blast there i'm, I'm actually kind of glad that i was oblivious to all of the deadly animals that were there when I went. <laughs> I guess that's the only downside it has, but uh, I mean, I I love the diversity of their wildlife and just what they have there in general. But, yeah, but I'm from Florida, man. Yeah, so we're, we joke that we're true. the Australia, you know, like of America because everything here is trying. We got gators and water moccasins and spiders. I mean, we everything here is trying to kill you too. So. We, uh, that's a good point. I, I yeah. didn't even blank at, at the stuff around <laughs> Australia. <laughs> yeah. I can understand why you wouldn't be as phased by, by Australia. I, I'm somewhat spoiled, I guess. I, I live in Michigan and we really don't have anything like that deadly here per se. I mm-hmm. mean, I think arguably one of the worst ones we, we have like brown recluse spiders, mm-hmm. uh, that are, they're pretty nasty, but I mean, we have garter snakes. Those are harmless. Those are more afraid of you. Uh, yep. which is, I mean, which is great. Cause I, <laughs> snakes freak me out. So, and that's like the most dangerous one you have to worry about arguably. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we have some like water snakes or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's really not too bad here. I guess if you go up North, we do have black bear. I did some more digging into this in an article by journeying the globe listed the brown recluse spider as one of the most dangerous animals in Michigan. The list also includes animals such as black widow spiders, brown and black legged ticks, and even the eastern Massasaga rattlesnake. The fact that Michigan has rattlesnakes of any kind is news to me. A link to the full article can be found in the show notes. Just in case you're also a fellow Michigander and are looking for something to keep you up at night. You know, it's it's one of those things, yeah, like it's uh, compared to a place like Florida or a place like Australia, yeah, yeah Michigan is, is nothing. <laughs> yeah, my, my fiancé is originally from there. His family's all from Michigan, and so... That's on on my bucket list as well because I've actually never been to Michigan and so we're gonna go up there one time and visit all of his family. But uh, but yeah, I oh, nice. I we I've talked about that too. How you know everything in Florida is. I mean, I the other day was trying to get into my car and there was a snake that was you know as long as I am tall right by my car. And I know, and, I, and, and but again, like you said, little black garden. I mean, little, but you know, black black garden snake uh, kind of kind of idea. Um, and they don't they don't freak me out that much. Um, I just. I don't want them coming at me, but I'm not, you know, like, um, running and screaming. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but, and I will say like in Australia, there's, there are definitely, you just have to keep an eye out more for, for things there. Whereas in Florida, we're just kind of, I, I grew up on a lake that had alligators in it and we still swam in it and whatever. So people think I'm crazy <laughs> no. and I'm like, well, that, that was normal to us. You know, it just kind of was what it was. <laughs> 
Yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh. I know. And it's so crazy how different things are ingrained to our culture mm-hmm. and kind of where we grow up and in terms of safety and just general guidelines. Like, I mean, for example, in driver's ed class, they, they teach you all about, you know, safety around like, you know, deer running out because that's a big issue in Michigan <laughs> yeah, where people yeah. hit deer all the time. Yeah, That's like a part of our driver's ed, you know, course, but <laughs> other parts of the country that may not, you know, be it. But you know, I have uh, friends who live out west, and they teach like about rattlesnake safety, which um, you know is something that I never grew up yeah. with, and I don't have to deal with in Michigan. So it's it's interesting to see those subtle differences. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> we have like in in Florida, I keep in my car one of those little things that can um, little hammers that can like blow out your window because we have so many bridges and water everywhere and everything that you know if your car mm-hmm. went off a bridge or whatever the pr- the water pressure you can't get the car windows open and you're stuck in the car. And so that was one of the things that. You know, when I was younger, there's a little, it's like a, a little kind of a hammer thing, but it, you push a button and the hammer, you know, breaks the window for you. And, uh, so you can, hmm. so you can get out of your car and it's a terrible thought to have to think about, but it's something that, you know, it's can save your life if you're ever in that situation. No, exactly. And honestly, that is something I should probably keep in my car. I mean, <laughs> I do a lot of traveling, but also Michigan has a lot, a lot of water. Of, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it would be justified for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, just kind of wrapping up with like final thoughts and everything. I mean, do you have any upcoming events or projects that you're really excited about? Any new products in the works or anything? Yeah. I mean, we have a ton of holiday markets that we're, you know, we're, we just finished one and we got more coming up, but throughout the holidays, I always throw new product on our website, our fragrance diffusing jewelry. We're adding a lot of that to our website right now. Um, so you can actually use Anakit fragrance oils on the jewelry and wear your fragrance that way. So for people with really sensitive skin or that just want a way to wear their fragrance even longer, jewelry is a great way to do that um, with jewelry that has porous, uh, porous stones on it. And so that's going up on our website. We've got some other new, new products, home products and body products and things like that that are going up too. So definitely worth checking out to see what we have coming up because the holidays is always my favorite time to, to launch new things. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no. And we're definitely hitting that sp- sweet spot with the holidays coming up. They always sneak up on me every year as as they do, I'm sure, with everybody else. Oh, like it, it just kind of blows my mind to think how close we are to being done with 2022, like in I, all reality. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, my, trust me, my it's stepdaughter so me. doesn't let, let Christmas sneak up on us. She has a countdown going <laughs> from like starting in like January of every year, the countdown starts again. So she definitely lets us know when it's coming. But uh but it's, but it's the kind of, but I still forget to buy gifts and things. And I know that that's, you know, I have people in my life that are so hard to buy for. My fiance is one of them that are just so hard to buy for. <laughs> and so they all know that they get Anakin as, as Christmas gifts. But I, <laughs> but I uh, tell other people, you know, if, if you have that person that, you know, quote unquote has everything, I promise you one thing they don't have is papyrus oil. So it's one of those things that I, <laughs> I joke that I'm like, you know, that is, if, if you really think that they have everything, you know, this is something that you can pull out that, you know, could surprise them. Oh, exactly. Yeah. No, for sure. Coming in with like a unique gift is always a plus for sure. And yeah, I'm always in a bad habit of I just kind of buy gifts when I see something mm-hmm. that I, I'm like, oh, this so-and-so would really like this gift. And I just kind of do it sporadically uh, throughout the all throughout the year. But then you know, I'll just kind of like give it to the person <laughs> or that. whatever. And and then I'm just like, ah, I should have saved some of those for like actually the holidays. Yep. Cause now I got to scramble and like get other things. <laughs> yep, I do. I do that all the time too. Or I forget that I got it. And I'll, you know, after Christmas, I'll find it and go, oh, shit, oh, I had yeah. that too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I literally have like a, a whole bag of like gifts that I need to give <laughs> to people that have been sitting here for a long time. So I, I'm slowly working through them. Yep. Um, yeah. So you are not alone. there. That uh, makes me feel better. 
<laughs> awesome. Now, is there anything I forgot to ask about that you wanted to touch on before we get into plugins and all that fun stuff? Um, no, I love this. I'd love any opportunity to talk about, you know, my travels. And I, that's just one of the things I always encourage people to do is go travel. Cause I really believe that it's the best investment you can make in yourself or, you know, it's, it's always worth it to find a way to go travel. So that's, that's my only plug that I always like to say before, you know, talking business or anything else is just, you know, go see the world, go, go experience things because there's just nothing else like it. Oh yeah, definitely. No, we're definitely on the same wavelength there. As I've talked about plenty of times on this podcast and stuff too, like I have a goal of running a marathon in all 50 states because I think that every state and every place has something unique to offer. So I, cool. I'm i constantly traveling and seeing and experiencing new places. And I mean, it like drains my bank account, but I wouldn't <laughs> live any other way type thing. I mean, like exactly. I'm, I'm sure I'm stealing this from a much more credible you know um writer and everything but i've heard this kind of thrown around before but i always just kind of tell people that like i'll look around at my house and see different like items and things that i bought and regret buying them but i've never regret going on a trip a hundred percent i couldn't find a direct source for this quote just many variations with essentially the same message so if i should tell you anything just get out there and travel Awesome, awesome uh, notes to end on for sure. So where can people find more information about yourself, your business, and anything else you want to plug? Yeah, so um, we are Anakit Luxury on everything. Anakit is spelled A-N-U-K-E-T. She was the Egyptian goddess of the Nile River, so that's where our name comes from. But <laughs> AnakitLuxury.com or at AnakitLuxury on all the socials. Um, you can definitely come find us and kind of follow our journey as we continue to to grow and expand as a company. Awesome. No, sounds good. And I'm glad you spelled it out too, because when I first read it, I, uh, I had to hear it like said a few times because I think I was overthinking yeah. how to actually pronounce it. <laughs> like, Most people do. They, they look at it and they're like, they, they're trying to come up with something unique. And I'm like, no, I promise it really is just what it looks like. Anakit, you know, and, um, <laughs> but you know, we, we had to give that nod, but I had to give it an Egyptian name. You know, I, I had to give them all, all the credit for that. So, oh yeah, so, yeah it's, a, it's a unique one, but once you get it, you got it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, and I love the, the nod to the Egyptian culture and just sound of the backstory behind it. I think the name is really fitting there for sure. Um, but yeah, awesome. Ashley, once again, thank you so much for taking the time for this. I mean, I think you have an incredible story to tell, and I had a blast learning about fine fragrances and some of your travel tastes. Definitely very well-traveled. And yeah, I wish you nothing but the best in your future projects, the holidays coming up, and hope you have a good rest of your evening. Awesome. Thanks so much, Eric. Thank you so much. All right, take care. Thank you so much for tuning in and checking out the show. Links to the Anakit Luxury website, socials, and other resources Ashley and I discussed can be found in the show notes. If you like what you heard, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review for Juxtaposed Journeys wherever you stream your podcast, and maybe tell a friend or two about the show. Any feedback is always welcome and appreciated, and it helps the show reach more listeners. It also keeps new episodes coming out. If you're an entrepreneur creator, or live an interesting lifestyle, take a few minutes to fill out the questionnaire I have linked below. If you're a good fit, I'll be sure to get in touch with you to be featured on a future episode. I just ask that you have some patience, as I'm pretty backed up with any of your requests at the moment, 
So thank you to everyone who's reached out and has expressed interest in being on the show. The Juxtaposed Journey's logo was designed by Darius Norwood. The website was designed by Elise Benner. And music has been provided by Young Pioneer. Final mixing and interviews are conducted by yours truly, Eric Spitz. Thank you for listening, and remember to never stop exploring.